0: Brand You magazine and podcast exists to inspire, motivate, and invigorate women to step into their businesses as truly themselves. Full of real-life stories, practical solutions, and inspirational ideas from fellow entrepreneurs, each issue has a different theme that showcases the many values, beliefs, and morals that women build their businesses around today. So, be your business and brand you. Welcome to the Brave Issue of Brand New Magazine. We are celebrating courageous women from all walks of life who have bravely taken life's challenges and difficulties, trials and tribulations and used them to boldly step up, stand out and claim their space. Lisa Cox is a multi-awarded writer, presenter and consultant. She is also the author of two books, she's an advocate and an ambassador and she is on a mission to muse, educate and challenge the way that disability is represented in mainstream popular culture. It's a big space that you're in that just doesn't get enough sounding boards with people. It doesn't get enough presence in everyday society. It doesn't get enough conversations just starting around the you know, the water cooler type thing. It's just not as present as it should be. Thank you for saying all of that and
1: recognising that, you know, disability doesn't get the spotlight shone upon it nearly as much as it should, considering how many people in this world do have a disability and maybe one or two things or events or people, you know, occasionally do get the spotlight shone, but generally speaking, the the day-to-day, it doesn't and it should be spoken about more.
0: It's kind of like the elephant in the room in so many situations and it shouldn't be. It needs to be conversations we have and we need to educate ourselves so much more into the space and take it upon ourselves to be a bigger and better part of the world yes
1: and to you for, for recognizing and understanding that and i wish more people had that approach and
0: for our listeners that haven't been religiously stalking you like i have been recently <laughs> Could you give a little bit of an intro to who you are and how you came to be so passionate about the misrepresentations of disability in society today?
1: I'll go back and give you the, the slightly longer version. So I grew up here in Brisbane, in Australia, Brisbane. went to university, got my, my two degrees, business communications and media, then started working in advertising agencies, worked there for a couple of years loved my work as a copywriter so I was making ads essentially for my national and international clients then after a couple of years unexpectedly at Melbourne airport one morning had a brain hemorrhage like a stroke so they took me to hospital I was in a coma for three weeks on my spot for two months and in hospital for over a year during that first year I had my left leg Right toes and nine fingertips amputated. Heart surgery, hip placement, and then all of my invisible disabilities or a permanent brain injury. So I'm to 25% blind. My speech has been impacted. My memory is terrible, which is why you'll see I keep forgetting things throughout this conversation. I'm a bit wobbly on my feet, so I use a wheelchair full time as well as my prosthetic leg. What else? I've also got anxiety and PTSD and, and things like that. So, after all of that, I thought there is a way to combine my professional background with my lived experience of my acquired disability, I suppose. So, these days I work as I still work in media and advertising but more part-time and as a I suppose disability consultant there's really not a name for what I do but I work with brands and businesses and teach them or show them how I suppose to include disability better in their content sort of understand those nuances better I suppose not be called out on Twitter and cancelled or whatever the case may be sometimes that's in the fashion industry, sometimes that's in advertising or marketing. It's in a, a whole variety of ways, and of course, I, I still write. So that's a, a really quick, <laughs> a really quick summary of what I do. It's a bit of a mishmash of all sorts of, all sorts of things.
0: Like individually, there's a lot of a lot of things there, but put all together, that's a lot to go through in a year. And I can completely understand the PTSD side of that whole experience. But to come out the other side and find a way to actually combine, like you said, your lived experience, will be so valuable to so many people. Well, I, I really loved and and still
1: love the work I do,
0: but I've always loved
1: my my work in media and advertising and writing scripts, making ads, being being creative, essentially and joke with friends that I can't believe I get paid (laughs) paid to do this work to write to create and so to be able to continue that work in some way was really important to me I mean it's just sit uh, sit in hospital and and watch watch tv ads on the dodgy little tv in in the hospital room and my eyesight wasn't great but I could still make it out and rewrite the tv scripts in my head as best i couldn't think i would have used this tagline and the 30 second tpc on the screen and probably would have scripted it this way or that way and the cogs were still turning even though you know my brain the wiring was all a bit different after the stroke i was still determined to get back there somehow and still still really enjoyed the work and i did go back to advertising agencies eventually and still do have have contact with them but it's just something that I don't do full-time now.
0: A lot of what you do is challenging and really questioning some of the myths and stereotypes of disability in mainstream pop culture. How do you feel that you are disrupting these and what are your hopes for in the space for in the future? There are
1: so so many myths and, and stereotypes out there and I, I know that firsthand because I, I'm guilty of having had so many myths and stereotypes in my head. Pre-disability, I assumed I, I knew what disability was all about, what it would entail, and what my life would be like when I had disabilities. So once I acquired my disabilities, I soon discovered that that was a lot of BS and none of those were true, or certainly a lot of them weren't true. So I'm, I'll generalise for a moment. As a general rule in the media, life with disabilities, you're either portrayed as a Paralympian and if you're not a Paralympian, they're great people, by the way, and I know some of them, if you're not a Paralympian, then you're just a sad, miserable person with very low self-worth who's probably unemployed and that's the end of that, sort of the two ends of the spectrum. And there's this huge, huge middle ground in between of people who are just living their lives, getting on with it, driving the kids to school, working paying taxes, making school lunches, doing laundry, doing gardening, who knows what else? Just like me, um, doing all those ordinary things that, that everybody else does. But we never see those people represented in mainstream popular culture. Unfortunately, we only ever see those, those extreme ends of the spectrum. And I'm not saying those ends don't exist, but we are only ever presented with those very narrow stereotypes. so I decided that I wanted to see some some more accurate reflections of disability in mainstream popular culture and there were certainly other people out there doing doing things like this I certainly went first but given my professional background and given that I had this experience in media and popular culture I knew how the industry worked from the inside Having spent all those years working now in yours, I suppose had a bit of an advantage in that I could do more, and I I certainly you know put those skills to good use.
0: I've started to notice that across the board, not just in the disability space, but in other spaces as well, there's starting to become more of a shift in an awareness around it. But everyone knows that it needs to be more. But just the fact that it's starting to become, yeah, more gives me so much hope for the next generation. Oh, absolutely.
1: And there's no longer just one person in the agency who's, whether it be um, not just disability but cultural diversity or another underrepresented minority group, there's no longer that, that one person trying to shut out for equality or whatever the case may be, underrepresentation. It's, it's across the board. So it's the graphic designer, it's the art director, it's the copyright art, it's the creative director. There's numerous people going, hey, where's the person of colour? Where's the person like this, like this, like this? It's There's a lot more accountability from everybody, which is great to see. It's a really, really great thing. And it does, like you said, give me hope for the next generation. There's certainly a long way to go because there are still senior people. And I'm Generalising, there are great senior people but there are certainly some some senior people who are still living some decades past.
0: <laughs> Let's be honest a lot of advertising agencies can still to this day can probably be a true reflection of the whole madman era oh
1: okay you said it
0: <laughs> like, we're not living like dinosaurs <laughs> trying
1: to be diplomatic <laughs>
0: There's nothing that makes me happier to know that those particular stereotypes are being broken down by the littler voices. Yeah. It was one of the biggest things when I was working in an advertising agency. I refused to delve down my opinions. I refused to wear the short skirts and flirt to get ahead. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm an outspoken feminist too. that frustrates a lot of the old men. <laughs> like I said before, um, People of colour, more from men or women, and as well as disabilities. So it's not just disability pain.
0: One of the biggest platforms you've used as a catalyst for this change is fashion. How do you see that fashion can be leveraged to start to showcase this change that you want for the world? I
1: suppose I chose fashion because it's despite all of our differences and be they skin colour or ability or gender or something else, fashion is so universal. We will have it, we will use it, we will own it in some way or another and it certainly is something that it sets trends. I'm not saying the inclusion of disability or the representation of disability is a trend but I certainly hope that representation, and inclusion and disability can be a trend that is a forever thing. And it's something that can be included.
0: In a lot of ways, fashion has been a cliche and it's held on to a lot of antiquated stereotypes that people are becoming more and more vocal about. It's a perfect vessel for so many different voices to be heard louder.
1: Absolutely. and. Just a a really quick add-on with the size and colour and fashion thing. One thing that I have been quite grateful about in the past is that when it comes to fashion specifically, designers have tried to be diverse and tick that diversity box and sort of put a a larger model on the catwalk or uh, a model of perhaps a different colour on the catwalk. And great, they're being diverse and box ticked, all done. But disability, and I referred to it as the, the less palatable form of diversity, disability never gets to look in. And we see this time and time again. And I've been interviewing designers on the red carpet before and they're all puffing up their chests and so proud of themselves. Oh, we're so diverse. You should see our collections. So diverse, so diverse. And, yes, there are you know, larger models on the catwalk and models of different colours. Yes, 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 all good to see. But disability did not get a look in given that we are the largest minority that was really disappointing to see and I see this time and time again fashion show after fashion show so there's my quick rant for the moment and I'll jump off my soapbox and let you get back to it.
0: It's all right I'll keep it here in case you want to jump back on it because I'm totally okay with that. Oh
1: I will guarantee
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now what are your hopes for a future where disability is more represented in the fashion industry? Like what does this actually look like practically? Practically I would really love to see disability included
1: I suppose to just to use uh curve, curve models Oh, I'll say plus size models. I know some people don't call us plus size, but I'll, I'll say plus size models just so everyone knows what I'm talking about. Plus size models or curve models. Use that as a case study. I'm old enough to remember when the very first size 12 model was used on a cover of a magazine here in Australia. Everybody lost their minds. Oh, my God, she's encouraging obesity. Oh, it's her ball, bitch. And she was just normal, but you know, she's not large, she's normal. So, anyway, the point is that that was some time ago. These days, a curve model or normal size model is very mainstream. It's just run of the mill. Mainstream modeling agencies have a curve model in there with the other models. Like, it's, it's really no big deal to have a curve model be on a shoot. And no one looks and says and goes, Oh, geez, look at that. But these days, there are still special agencies just for disabled models. Mainstream modeling agencies will not include disabled models. That's not true inclusivity. That's just one example of how it could look practically. There are lots and lots of other ways, but that's just one example. We still have to have. A separate little agency over here for all the disabled rules, and a separate little agency over here for all the disabled rules. I would love it, absolutely love it, for when I'm on the catwalk, for example, or somebody else with a disability is on the catwalk. I would love it not to be in the newspaper. But at the moment, it is. And I don't understand that it's new and we're at that stage in Australia, but I would love it not to be a big deal.
0: Yeah, I feel like we're at that tipping point. And it yeah. makes me excited, but it also means that. There, there's going to be that controversy because I feel like the way through to new norms is controversy and out, you know, people being outspoken and challenging the norm and challenging people's perceptions of things. But you're exactly right. That, that curved model example was a perfect way of thinking about it because I think about my girlfriend magazine when I was a teenager and I look at magazines now and I relate so much more to them as a woman who has got a booty, I have like bumps and lumps in places because I am just a normal everyday woman and we all have those whether we're small or big or all of those things and I can imagine especially when you're in a space advocating from the bottom up that it can feel heavy. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. From a person that hasn't been in the space I can even see that things are starting to happen and it makes me excited.
1: It makes me excited too most of the time. Every now and again I'm just just shake my head and think, really. <laughs> I I just think really, roll my eyes and laugh. Just not worth my time. I'm getting very good at or have got very good ideas at compartmentalizing things and <laughs> just just having a laugh. Humor is is the best way to deal with most things I found.
0: Oh, that and a very un PC sense of humor. If you want that, come over this. <laughs> oh
1: shit, yes. <laughs> I swear Far too often, <laughs> yes.
0: So you're involved with Style You, the label. Now, can you tell us a little bit about how that came about?
1: Styling You, Nikki Parkinson, who is our designer here in Bruce friend, she has the label Styling You, and it's a fantastic label, not more in basics, and I'm absolutely delighted to be one of the models because the range does have models like me, with a lot of diversity. So we have a Muslim woman, a curved model, an older woman in her 60s, Jan, who is absolutely fantastic. I got in touch with Nikki quite some time ago and said, look, you are, after a little more diversity, I'd be more than happy to help out. So love, being, love being a part of their brand
0: because they really do have some fantastic styles. And you do, you align yourself through collaborations with individuals and industries brands and businesses who share your vision what values and beliefs do you find you all have in common yeah I'm really careful to
1: align myself with brands and businesses that only in some way want to improve the greater good of people with disabilities I do get offers from brands and businesses or individuals who just want to do things for themselves or And yeah, that's the obvious goal of any brand or business or individual. But at the end of the day, like styling you, the fact that they wanted to include disability not just once, not just for a a token ticker box look, look socially responsible, but do it consistently throughout the year, and that's what any brand or business can learn from. I was like, great, sign me up, let's do this, and. There are a few other really great brands and businesses I've collaborated with because they are doing things consistently like jockey and doing it well, not just as a one-off. But I've been really careful to only collaborate those sorts of brands and businesses who do show a commitment to um, improving the lives of people with disabilities, not just their own hip pocket sort of thing.
0: And I think that that's really central. It's a big part of what I do as a designer is really nailing down on those values and figuring out what that actually looks like. And it can be uncomfortable for people, but I feel like it can give people such a strong direction and such a strong point of difference within their brand to align themselves and stand in that spot where you go, this is what we are going to do. And we are going to do it consistently and we are going to do it. in spite of it's popular or trendy or any of those sorts of things, this is core to who we are. Sometimes I bear
1: a little to the left or right, and it's not just people with disabilities, but it might be women or somebody. if it's not just them. It's somebody serving people beyond beyond yourself, serving someone other than yourself. There's another another brand called UniPeaks here, and they're a swimmer brand, and they do some fantastic work with, with women. And they're a brand here out of Brisbane as well. And I collaborated with them. It was about serving more people than just myself or themselves.
0: You have been celebrated, and a big part of this was around the swimmer brand that you were a part of. You've been celebrated as a body positive influencer. And I imagine after working in marketing and advertising space for so many years, apart from that sort of curve model space, what other shifts have you noticed in mainstream media within the body positivity space? It has been
1: positive generally and so much of that has been to do with social media because for the first time, or at least in social media, women have had control over setting their own narrative. So because of Facebook and Instagram and things like that, we've been able to control our own narrative and being able to put our own stories out there and take photos of our own our own bodies and our own cellulite or our own tongue rolls or whatever it may be. and like, hey, look, this is my butt. I'm having a day or this is my, my stomach or whatever, whatever you put out there. And we're seeing real bodies as opposed to only the bodies that Murdoch puts out there and only the bodies that News Corp or whoever else puts out there that are being retouched and edited. There's that in itself, which is, you know, a good thing. But this hashtag body positivity, there are pros and cons to that because I suppose the negative is that we're starting to see some brands and businesses kind of hijack body positivity movement and sell, say, cellulite cream or weight loss supplements or something as big body positive and buy this cellulite cream or big body positive and lose five kilos or, and it's sort of distorting the message and that's that's been a bit of a grey area for me that's still evolving it's been um, over the last couple of years that I suppose now everyone's coming out of COVID and I say that cautiously because it's still moving but now the messaging is around, hey, lose those COVID kilos, all that weight you gained in COVID, lose the kilos, and so that's that's the new messaging, which is
0: complete BS, forced positivity, and you know it's toxic positivity and those sorts of things as well. And yes, everything that for me yes. it just always boils down to how you can be more real. Another word that really gets me as well, that I, I in a positive way is acceptance. And having that constant journey to acceptance, a level of awareness about what words you're associating in your own head, whether it be disability or whether it be your own body and when you're looking at it, or looking at different races by having that level of awareness of yep. that word association and creating a yep. narrative that is definitely more self-aware and more more accepting of the world as a whole and having that level of consideration. You probably understand this more than most, that from an advertising space, you can see false bullshit from <laughs> a mile away. Oh, yeah. From miles away. <laughs> so what can we do our everyday lives to to really start to yeah. understand disability more and really understand how we can be better exactly what you did at the very very start of this interview is to go
1: into it with an open mind of i don't have all the answers but i want to learn a curiosity but not not this this curiosity of ooh what happened to you uh, that like the, the weird man that comes up to me at the shopping centre every all the time. <laughs> it gets a bit strange, but again, yeah, I'll get a few of them time to time. But there's an ongoing debate in the disability sector about questioning. I, I personally I can speak only for myself. I don't mind questions, like because it's only through questions that you learn. I don't mind people asking me what happened, especially in a setting like this. It's just when there's no context around it. So if I'm ordering coffee and you turn you turn around to me and go, Oh, sweetheart, what happened to you? What? I'm just here to order coffee. <laughs> I personally don't mind, but other people are really, really funny about questions ever. I can only ever speak for myself. If you're curious for the, the sort of reasons, going into it for an open mind, I used to be that person without disabilities who was terrified of putting a foot wrong, of wanting to do better and genuinely wanting to educate myself, but shit, I was scared and tiptoeing around and thinking, what do I say? How do I say it? Shit, 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 shit. I would hate for anyone to be tiptering around me and walking around me in the shopping centre so that they could avoid eye contact with me because they were too scared or, that, that would be horrible. So
0: Save that for the people that are trying to like sell your timeshare. <laughs> Use your eye avoidance for good purpose. <laughs> <laughs> All I can
1: say is that I'm only one person. I don't speak for everyone. And if you see me, ask me all the questions you want, but I'm only one person, so.
0: And I think approaching anything as in life, like approaching anything with kindness yes. and openness, yeah, finding a way to have that conversation and be open to it, be honest about how you're feeling in the situation as well and just being saying, you know, I see you and I want to know more. Removing some of those boundaries and feeling the fear and doing it anyway. I remember as a child, I felt very uncomfortable. I would do the eye avoidance. I remember it was a generational thing. I feel like it was something that was just, you don't talk about things like this. Whereas with my kids these days, I want them to talk about everything with me. At least they can have that space to have that conversation with me and know that it's completely okay. And I feel like sometimes having that childlike curiosity and just being really honest is something to get back to a lot. I've come to my last question, and this question, I feel like it's been the elephant in the room. You found yourself center stage, literally, what is commonly known as Papergate now. Recently, you were a part of Australian Fashion Week, and you found yourself the center of a controversy which you handled like a queen. decorative paper that was on stage got stuck in your chair preventing you from moving (laughs) freely and then the designer that you were on stage for camilla frank she jumped up and she helped you but then i won't say the shit hit the fan but let's just say the paper hit the fan and the world lost its goddamn mind around a whole bunch of things and i read your article from mamma mia and it just it hit home so many things Can you give us a little bit of a summary of what happened after Papergate?
1: Oh, fuck. (laughs) Paper got caught in my wheel. I was fine. Kimber was awesome. It's all over. (laughs) The end. No, seriously. I don't want to minimise some really big issues. First of all, though, can we just, celebrate the fact that something that many of us had been calling for for years and years and years happened. Disability was in Australian impression Week for the first time ever. Yay! We had been working beyond the scenes for that for years and years and years. And I'm not talking about me on the catwalk. Like that was just a small thing that happened out of the blue. Surprise. I'm talking about multiple representations all over the place behind the scenes for the first year ever. So, yes, there's a long way to go, but yay, that was awesome. And we're looking at next year already. So, firstly, let's celebrate that they did a good job. Yes, there were mistakes. No one is denying that. But considering were, this was their first crack at it, if a little bit of paper is all that went wrong, Geez, I reckon that's all right. Secondly, yeah, the paper was a mistake. No one is denying that. It wasn't Camilla's fault. Some of the absolutely horrible comments that are out online, nothing short of bullying, just disgusting, disgusting comments. She's a beautiful woman and is open to learning and sat down with me before the event and said, What can I do? How can I make this right for you? and We talked about things getting caught in my wheels, funnily enough, not not assuming that it would be paper. And then then Papergate happens. So I suppose above all, the the one takeaway is that apart from the paper and the wheels, accessibility is happening every single day of the year for people with disabilities. It's still here for me and everyone else with disabilities or with some disabilities. Regardless of whether or not it's Fashion Week, that does not go away. So even though Twitter and Instagram and social media has gotten down and all the journalists and wannabe journalists have put away their their keyboards, accessibility is still an issue. So everyone stopped talking about Peppy but let's not stop talking about accessibility because that is still a really, really important issue that needs the spotlight. Everyone seems to have stopped talking now. So thanks for giving me this opportunity to continue the conversation about something that's far more important than some paper on a runway.
0: And I think you summarised it perfectly in your article that came out after this. That happens to me every day. Yeah. That is an Uh, everyday occurrence. I sort it out and then I go get another coffee. Yeah. That is actually just your life. I got caught in the gutter
1: yesterday at the shopping centre. Where was media then? Where were all the people on social media then? Where were they? The hundreds and thousands of people calling out ableism and blah. Where were they? No. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> at the very least, you am going to be stuck. Someone hand me a coffee. I know.
0: I know. No champagne man damn it. Now, the very last question that I have for you today, and I feel like this has been a really interesting question to hear everyone's answers to. After everything you've been through and what you go through on a day to day basis in your life and just being your amazing self, what does brave mean to you?
1: Yeah, so years ago I wrote an article because everyone kept coming up to me at the gym going, you're so brave, you're so brave. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Why am I brave? I've been going to the gym for 20 years as a non-disabled person. Not once did someone call me brave. The only difference is now I'm doing it in a wheelchair. All of a sudden I'm brave because I'm going to the gym in a wheelchair. This this makes no sense to me. And I sort of wrote this thing about how to, to me anyway, and this is going back sort of, I wrote this about five, eight years ago before my my language around disability had sort of sorted it out more. Um, to me, soldiers were brave and firemen were brave, all these other people were brave. Just being in a wheelchair did not make me brave. Being disabled was not an automatic trajectory to being brave. That was the whole point of the article. But back to my answer. In terms of being brave, we often think of bravery, or Hollywood um, portrays bravery as you know, there's got to be guns and s- machines and smoke and explosions and all this, all these battles involved, and really strong men and God knows what else involved. But. In my experience, it it wasn't a lot of the big things that happened. I was knocked out cold during a lot of my really, really big things, like having my leg chopped off and being in a coma and all of my big things. That, to me, wasn't the brave stuff that I've done. It was all the really, really small things that I've done, like going to the doctor and saying, I need help. My mental health is not okay. I don't think I've slept for a week. I think I need help, and to put that in context for your audience. It's not the really big, big things with explosions or wrestling a crocodile or something like that. Like that doesn't have to be the brave thing. Of course it can be, but sometimes it's just texting back, no, when a friend says, is everything okay? Like That can be the biggest act of bravery for someone that week.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you would like to see more, subscribe to Brand New Magazine over at www.brandumagazine.com.au. Every three months you will receive the new issue direct to your inbox, full of gorgeous design, freebies and discounts, and interactive links that will allow you to connect with our contributors. And check out our Instagram for more inspiration to be your business and Brand you.